You know, a few months ago, uh, we got to talk about our, our vision team coming together, and, and our vision team came out with a statement that contains three parts about the type of church that we're going to be. Uh, in the middle of that statement is a line that says that, that we're a community of faith that will impact others or impact our circles with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, I'll be honest with you, as I've wrestled through that, as we went through that, I, I, I wouldn't sign off on it without taking it to heart. And so even as we were forming that, um, I started to say, Lord, how and whom do you want me to share your story with, to share my story with? Um, and, and as I went through uh, Acts chapter 9 in preparation for this Sunday, um, watching Paul's life and how incredible it is, I started to say, Lord, my circle's not near as big as Paul's circle. And his circle was so large. The Lord used him in such an amazing way. What, what does it look like to share m your story in, in, in my life? And so I, I've started listening to people. And, and I don't know about you, but some of you are more gifted than others of us at listening. Amen? And so it, it's an intentional thing to listen because I love to, to talk. I love to share. I love to, to have an opinion. Amen? Is anyone else in this room sitting next to someone who loves to have an opinion? You can raise your hand. You're not telling on yourself, right? It, I'd, I'd love to talk but I'll be honest with you a lot of times when just talking is going on the, it's funny the arrow tends to lead back to me I can use Jesus or I can use others or I can, I can walk through these opinions or expressions of mine but if I'm not careful the arrow, the circle points back to me how do I know? Because if at the end of my sharing, if you esteem my idea or how I feel or my story, and that makes me feel good, then my story really led back to me. If at the end of me sharing, I feel the same regardless of how you respond, then my arrow doesn't point back to me. And I found myself watching and listening into like different camps. It seems like the majority of times when we call ourselves Christ followers, we either love to share a story that points back to me in edification, or we love not to share at all and we'd rather talk about something else. So, so we've been traveling this week man last week pastor mike got to share we were in the middle of the magic kingdom with our cell phones out sitting down paying to something paying attention to something way better i'll never look at dryer sheets the same and i can imagine everybody in 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 the area if they cared were watching saying why are you staring at your phone at a picnic table when all this is going on it's because the story was being shared I went through and I've started listening, whether it be in Disney World or whether it was on in the airport or whether it's been in the stores getting ready, just to people. And do you know a lot of people use the word blessed? Do you know that? Like a lot of people. And I'm like, I, I know. I just don't know what kind of blessed you're talking about. So if you start using a Bible term, I don't care if you hijacked it or not. I've just decided... I'm going to ask a question. Are you a Christ follower? Are you a Christ follower? 
And then, Lord, show me how my story is supposed to impact this circle. I had a sweet young, young gal, just a really nice, super helpful in a store the other day. And she said, I was doing this, and I said, how are you, how is your day going? It's early in the day. It was early, the store just opened. She said, you know, I'm, I'm blessed. I'm, I'm doing well. I said, praise God, are you a, are you a Christ follower? And she said, no. So, I mean, I went to a Catholic church growing up, um, but I, I don't hold it against anybody that is. I said, oh, well, thank you for that. <laughs> I said, because listen, I don't know what happened in your church growing up, but Christ made you with a purpose in mind that was bigger than what you can think about, and he loves you. And I only know that because of my story. And we talked. I may never see her again walking around through all the shops at Disney World. Some blessed. How, how, why are you blessed? Oh, I'm, I'm blessed because yada, yada, yada. Are you a Christ follower? Oh, yes, I am. Praise God. Tell me your story. The story I started to learn was this past year has exaggerated some things. Our, our stories seem like they're a little dusty, because if we think of our story in the term of this past year, it's like, oh, tell me your story. It's like, I've been trapped in a house for 14 months. I want to see somebody, but I hate everybody. You know? Our story has, has started to, to do two things, to show this clarification of, of where people are finding hope in their story uh, temporally in the world, but also it's, it's really dusting us off. It's, it's causing some aggravation and some agitation in the church. And, and I want you to know something right now. Our story is one that was written by the creator of all things, the author of life. And it is one that is meant to be experienced in community. And so I want to share something with you right now. Especially if you're at home with us. Your story needs to join with others. Fear and anxiety over this world have penetrated every heart and mind and life and softened a thousand stories. If you're in this room, your story has a part of a bigger picture and you need other believers in Jesus Christ. Because what I'm finding out is the more that people have been separated, the more they don't know why they're blessed. The more they don't know why they went to church other than they just didn't want to go to hell. So I was standing in line at Disney World and I don't know what you do. I, our family was able to take a week away uh, last week and just get tired and beat up and worn out. And um, I'm standing in line and I don't know what you do in line, but I listen to sermons in line um, at Disney World. It makes me not so irritable. And I was thinking through just this coming week and, and was listening to a sermon uh, by Greg Ma here in Houston and, and he just defined a word and, it, and I wrote it down in line I went back and studied it because I think before you know how 
how to share your story, of the power of your story, you need to understand what we have in common and where you've been. In Revelations chapter 3, verse 14, the last church that Scripture talks to is the church of Laodicea. And I want you to hear where their story was at this point in time and why God pointed them out. The Bible says this, And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, The words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation, I know your works. You're not cold nor hot. Would you that you were either cold or hot? Because you are, so because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I'm rich, I've prospered, I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich in white garments so that you may clothe yourselves in shame in the shame of your nakedness may not be seen. The salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be jealous, so be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And now I want you to, to, to frame this in for me just a little bit because when I, when I heard it, I had to go back and look at it and I wanted to make sure I had it right. Because in the Bible, when, when we hear this letter to the church of Laodicea, it's the combination of two words, and it defines what we have esteemed, where we have come from, every single person. Your story has originated here. The question is, have you reverted to this place again? Laodicea is the combination of two words, laos and dike, or dice. Laos means the people. And dice means this. It means a decision, a sentence, a condemnation. This church that was lukewarm, that thought that they were all right and were really in death, was the church where the people make the decisions. Now that came really, yeah, I'm standing in line, I'm thinking the church where the people decide, the church where the people rule. And, and I love the freedoms of our country. And as a democracy, I understand that. But when the people are making the decisions, who is not making the decision? The Lord. And in the church of Laodicea, where was Jesus Located. Where was his special place? Where was the spot reserved for him in a church that bore his name? Out back. Outside. Isn't that interesting? Could you imagine having a church where Jesus was shown to the back door? If he's standing at the door and knocking, guess where he's not? on the inside you see when the people decide we start to to take the lord's opinion or excuse me his his word 
and put our opinions on top of it. And that place leads to a rejection from the Lord. How do I know that? The Bible says it very clearly. In verse 16, he says, listen, because you've decided to be lukewarm, I will spit you out of my mouth. So what does it mean to be lukewarm? It means that you have started to decide what it means to be a Christian. That you have started to decide where life begins and when it's appropriate to put a personal preference over life. It means that you have started to decide who you are in your identity. It means that you have started to decide that your grounds are justifiable to divorce, to abuse a spouse, a child. It means that you have decided, you have the power to decide. Yeah, going to church once a month, giving a high five to a brother or sister in Christ. That's all right, Jesus. I almost sat down in line for two reasons. One, because that is where we are in our culture. And churches are filled with people who have forgotten where we've come from. And so when we've forgotten where we've come from, it's just easy to slip back in. So when I, when I read about the church in Revelation, how do we go from being rejected by God because we are playing Christian? Or maybe we're not even playing, we're embracing the people decide. How do we get from there to life? There's only one way in Ezekiel chapter 37. The Spirit of the Lord is talking to Ezekiel. And he takes him to this place, this location. And this is what he says. He says that the hand of the Lord was upon me and he brought me out in the Spirit of the Lord and he set me down in the middle of a valley that was full of bones. And he held me around me, excuse me, and he led me around among them. And behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? Can they live? Can they live? This is this valley of death, rejection, that is where the people deciding leads to. That is where a man gripped religion, where Jesus is sprinkled, peppered, or left out, that is where it leads to. We, we, can, we can point to all the reasons, all the people that should have done more for us. But the reality is, it is my personal acceptance of a church where I decide what I like and what I don't like, where I decide where I'm going, where I don't, where I decide that leads to the valley of dry bones. Verse three, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, oh Lord, you know. And then he answered me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you will know that I am the Lord. 
I want you to, I want you to, to know something here. When Ezekiel was asked by the Lord, how do we bring the dead to life? Can that happen? Ezekiel does not answer with, oh yes, God. A special Bible study done this way. Oh, Father God, a fasting season held like this. Oh, God, have them tithe 14.5%. They'll know you're serious. He says the only thing that can be true. Lord, only you. Only you. I was reading about Oswald Chambers this week and found myself in one of his devotionals and he wrote these words beautiful script can that a sinner be turned into a saint can that twisted life be put right there is only one answer oh lord you know never trample in with religious common sense we mistake panic for inspiration it is easier to do something than to trust God. That's why we have so few fellow workers with God and so many workers for God. You see, church, your story was given to you by the grace of God. It wasn't because you figured it out. It wasn't because I'm so smart. It wasn't because I'm one of the lucky ones. You see, we have to realize in our story that we come from a for the people kind of life decided by us. This is the best way. This is what we should do. And the only way to escape the death, the rejection, the dry bones that that leads to is by the grace of God saying, I can do what you are unable to do, not because of who you are, not because you're brilliant for Jesus, but because of grace. But there has to be a confession, oh Lord, only you. Do you remember that part of your story? I've been sitting in a pew my whole life. I have to focus to go back to that part of the story. Sometimes when I do, I realize that I've embraced what I have been saved from because I've not focused on the story I was given. And so today we read Paul Acts chapter 9 and we're going to hear his story but in hearing his story what I want you to do is listen for your story and you can't forget where we've been where you've come from because if you do you, you might be tempted to be upset with Paul you see Paul was a religious zealot a Pharisee Paul was an angry man brilliant for God he knew the Bible left and right. He could embarrass any of us in this room. He was faithful to his walk. I would tell you he was more moral than anyone in this room. As a Pharisee, 
He had safeguards against safeguards against safeguard because he was working for God. Convinced that his actions would prove weighty. And so as Stephen is stoned, Paul saying, that's right. That's right. Don't speak up against the Lord. Verse 1. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest, and he asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. You see, Paul, working for God, had decided the best way to serve God was to murder anyone that would, that would question or challenge. Now, we don't, we don't murder people today like that. I mean, we know that that's wrong. What do we do? We just cut them off, cut them out, and cut them down. Right? That's where we come from. We, we hate the judgmentalism of the church, so what do we do? We judge the stew out of it because that's the way of righteousness. Paul would have agreed. We, we don't like what's going on in the world, so we, we let our anger attack. And we honor God through works that are decided by us and not by him. You see, you may find that your story in the progress still needs to be reminded of what you've been saved from so that in living with Christ and following Christ, you don't sink back into trying to pleasing the Lord in the ways that you decide are best. Paul, in this moment, is someone that has it out for believers. His story is that he was well-educated, that he was gonna do whatever it took to please God, to be okay with God. And then verse three, it says this, and now he went on his way and he approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him and a light falling to the ground, falling, excuse me, and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Lord, who are you? And he said, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. But rise and enter the city and you will be told what to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. And Paul, and Saul, excuse me, Saul rose from the ground and all those eyes were opened. He saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight and he neither ate nor he drank. In this moment, and Paul will repeat this story in Acts chapter 22. He will repeat this story in Acts chapter 26. This is a powerful moment. He realizes that his story really began with recognizing that the grace of God challenges our course. The grace of God challenges our course. Paul in his life had figured it all out. He had decided what was right and what was not right and how it was going to work and how it wasn't going to work. And he had actually decided on rules, on rules, on rules, how to make it fit. But he would tell you and he would tell kings and people that came after him. His story started when the grace of God challenged the course he had decided. Do you know, church, that is how all of our stories begin? Did you realize that? 
Have you ever met an angry Christian? Have you ever been an angry Christian? Here's where your story has to go back to. It was grace, not hate, that challenged your course. It was grace. Man, that, that, in that moment, Saul goes blind. He's hearing the Lord. The people around him think, are acting like he's crazy. That's grace. It was God at work in his life to challenge his course. Right now, I want you to know, in Paul's and Saul's story and in your story, where was that grace? Where did God's grace challenge your intellect, your dreams in life, your, your valley that you were sinking into? Where did God's grace challenge your course? Was he a stopgap at the lowest point of life where you didn't think you could go on? That's grace. Did God ensure you didn't get the promotion because the course you were on would have kept you living for yourself? That's grace. Did you hate yourself, love yourself when the gospel came in? That's grace. And the beauty of it is the valley of dry bones doesn't talk about origins prior to death church i want you to know wherever you are wherever you've been it was grace and so our story begins with grace but it doesn't stop in just being challenged look at verse 10 through 14 the Bible says, now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight in the house of Judas and at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul for behold, he is praying and he has seen a vision of a man named Ananias to come in and lay his hands on him so he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard many things about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints and he has the authority from the priests to bind all who call on your name verse 15 but the lord said go you see your testimony your story has power because it was the grace of god not the wisdom of men that challenged your direction in life but it's also the grace of god that provides an opportunity for a new way now, now this is how you know if it's the Lord or not. Because the enemy challenges your course and he, he buries you in it. Sin tempts you with, with a new path, but not a new way. A new path to accomplish what your desires you, you've decided should lead you to. You see, sin is always headed in the same direction isolation anger it's always leading to self to death to the to the desire it's always the same place sin when it encounters your life will challenge you to mirror or mimic grace but it will not provide an opportunity for you to start a new way do you know that's grace 
And here's Paul, sitting, Saul, sitting blind in another place. And, and God goes up to a believer, Ananias, and says, you need to go visit him. And, and Ananias is like, God, I love you. I didn't have to ask who you were. That dude is dangerous. God said, go. It's not about you. It's about me. It's about grace. Do you know, church, when you share your story, your testimony of the power of the gospel in your life to those in your circle, that when you begin with where you were and how only by grace did God challenge where you were headed, do you know that you can then offer them the same grace that God offered you? Because you're the avenue, not the creator. You're, you're the conduit, not the source. So grace provides an opportunity. But it doesn't stop there. It's not just an opportunity. It's not just a chance. I've been reading the news on our vaccines and stuff lately. And, and, and people are giving out incentives. Like you're, you get to be in the lottery if you get a vaccine shot and that kind of thing. It's a, it's a chance to win, right? God's not offering you a chance. He's offering you purpose. He offered Paul the very same thing in verse 15. It says this, but the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel, for I will show how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias departed and entered the house Laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road which you came, he has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. And then he rose and was baptized and taking food. He was strengthened for some days. He was with the disciples in Damascus, verse 20. And immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the son of God you see grace challenges our course grace provides an opportunity for a new way but the grace offers you a real purpose it's the same purpose grace offered Paul it's not to change the world in your given profession it's not a way to make the world a better place to go to hell from It's what he told Paul. Carry my name. Do you know that's the purpose of our story? And you might be saying in our country, in our community, if, if carrying the name of Jesus out, saying the name of Jesus in my profession, it's gonna keep me from helping a lot of people remember what your story is about. If you're wondering today, how, how do I share my story? Just think about the grace of God. You see, because you had decided what was right in life and it had led you to death, but by the grace of God, he breathed life in you. He offered you something you could not earn. And like Paul, in that offer, in that moment, grace challenges you. Right now, maybe grace is challenging you. 
Maybe your story has still been in Laodicea. It's been about yourself or your preferences. Maybe you've never thought yourself worthy to encounter the grace of God. Note to self, no one is worthy before the Lord. That's why he only speaks. He knows. So this morning, if you do not know Christ as Lord and Savior, there is nothing you have to do to prepare for him. Let this moment challenge you. But if you are in this church or you're watching at home, I don't want you to miss that God might be challenging your story right now because you have put visions before him of how you can do good things for God. If you, if you just raise up to this post of how you can do good things for God, if you just focus on, on finance, if you, how you can do good things for God, if you just focus on this desire, how you can do great things for God. Church, that was what Paul was murmuring under his breath. Let the grace of God challenge you because he has offered a new way that is not yours, but it's his. And the purpose of that way is to carry his name. This morning, where are you? Are you tired or angry or worn down? Are you meticulous about the steps that you need to take to get where you need to go? Let the gospel confront you here and now. Go back to the valley of dry bones and remember his grace. And then when you're on the ride home with your family, share that story of grace. When things aren't working out like you, you think they should, if you're frustrated with where you are in life, Go back to grace. Are you following his opportunity or are you you're upset because you're not having yours? Grace, grace. Church, to live as a Christ follower is to do one thing, to carry his name. Let's pray together. Father God, we love you. Lord, we've been isolated this past year. We, we, we've kind of been in our own bubble with those closest to us. And maybe we've shared our story with them long ago. But we've forgotten that our, our purpose isn't to protect this form. It's to carry your name. Maybe we've been rusty God. Maybe there's been dust on our story. Maybe grace has been covered under the dust, Lord, of the shame that we felt. Maybe grace has been covered under the dust of the pride we've held on to. Maybe grace has been hidden under the dust of the duties we have to carry out. Father God, in this moment, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, breathe life 
Lord, you didn't change our course that we might stray back to the valley of dry bones. You changed our course so that we might have life. So Father God, let the power of our story constantly flow through our spirit, seep from our lips. Lord, let us surrender to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me, church? As we respond this morning, as we sing, the song we'll sing is I Surrender. If you need to surrender your decision-led story to Jesus Christ, we'll be here at the front to talk with you more about it. We'll have deacons and pastors. In this moment, maybe you're realizing all the things you've decided you could do for God. And right now, you need to repent from the murderous path that Paul was on. No grace in Jesus Christ. As we sing, would you respond?